podcast. Another rapid-fire one coming at you from the backlog. This was recorded back in July. It's a it's a long conversation. I know Michelle and I really enjoyed it at the time. I know it might be a little bit hard to follow, so if you got any questions, concerns, tips, whatever, please hit us up at feedback at thestrangetonic.com because I know, like, at least speak for myself, I am all over the place on this one, and I know it's a little bit different of a topic, I guess, that we cover in this, and you might also hear kind of some teasers, if you will, of a progressivism, liberal, um, whatever you want to call it, conversation that we want to have, but it was this was already too much going on here. So we will do it at a later date, and I really, really, really hope that uh, not only will Michelle take the lead on it, because she and I tend to not disagree, but not see just eye to eye on a lot of the more progressive ideas within the Democratic uh, Party. And I really want not only just for you to hear, but I'd like to hear it too without me jumping into it and getting in the fray and all that stuff. So hopefully that's coming soon. On this recording, we are featuring an old favorite by our friends Panastral Animal. Check out Panastral on Panastral.com, Panastral on Bandcamp, Panastral on iTunes, Panastral, wherever you get your digital music. Here we go. I hope you're uh, all dialed in for a long convo. Thank you. Because, uh-huh. and this is where I came to this, like, well, what is centrism? Because mm. is there a, is there a real left, like, is there a left equivalent to Ben Shapiro? Is, and especially with, like, the conversation around abortion where mm. people like David French are going, oh, well, you know, the left needs to hear our position and meet us in the middle. But they're not asked to be, they're not even asked to be met in the middle. They're being asked to basically have everyone adopt their own position because it's the morally mm. correct one. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of where I was like, also, I feel like the more we've gone, not even just from like the Bush years, but the more we've gone from the H.W. Bush years, we have it in our head that just some. Just because someone is a Republican who's been around for a while, mm-hmm. they're a centrist or they're a moderate. Even Meghan McCain essentially called Paul Ryan a moderate, and he's not. <laughs> I can't no. think of an actual elected Republican official who is truly a moderate, even like Republican or a moderate centrist. It's just because they're not radically more conservative that they're considered moderate, which is ridiculous. It's I don't I'm trying to put it like on a spectrum. Well, and it's hard to do that because trying to define any, 
you know, specific stance or any type of, mm -hmm. uh, you know, ideology, yeah. you can only define it in comparison to the other things that it's not. So, you know, saying you're centered just because you're not, you know, super far right wing like that. I don't think I think you're onto something like that's not really what centerism is. And is, can you really even have a center like that? Like, because it's how far right are we talking? Like where, like what, what demarks like the, the spot on the spectrum where I, I mean center. I was thinking about this today where it seems to me that the, there is not really political centrism as much as there is a belief in political functionalism. Okay. Because functionalism is basically this concept that the more that people work together and the more like the more cooperation will follow and so that kind of takes out the idealism part and just going hey if we can work together on this you know, might be able to work together on that hmm. and like you pointed out in the the one piece well the piece you sent from vox where it was like moderates are sometimes the like most immoderate people of all <laughs> right. because it seems to me that if your idea is we just need to find ways to come together to work together you're pulling out like the ideology is out the window at that point it's simply about mm -hmm. finding ways to work together and that's not really centrism that's mm -hmm. functionalism okay and i get what you're i get what you're saying now yeah what, what kind of led to me wanting to talk about this more was I listened to a local NPR politics program where they're talking with this Washington political initiative that is now shutting down whose mission was to support centrist candidates. The guy who they had on was the most unconvincing, perhaps least self-aware person I've heard outside of, you know, the actual magosphere or really just conservative politics. Mm -hmm. uh, that's mean whatever um <laughs> because they were like well you all of the candidates you backed like these weren't candidates that they put forth but people who were already out there are white men for the most part like he's like well we've got this guy who's a hispanic and a woman <laughs> and this gay guy like <laughs> and the interviewer was doing a great job going no like but what people are saying is they want to feel represented by having a person who looks or like, you know, holds the same positions as them. And so if you're just running white men who, in the case of the Republicans they backed, are going, hmm, I believe science. I don't think that centrism as much as it is functionalism. Mm -hmm. um, but from there, Michelle, as much as I, I did try and dig into this. I was like, I'm going to do research. Hey, I'm going to work on the podcast. <laughs> so I might need to have you kind of guide us through uh, what you read through. Um, and I'll, I guess I'll lead with this. I believe that for the most part, centrism is a myth. Okay. Would you agree? I, based on my, you know, research as of this week i i would i would i would say i would agree with you generally that centrism is kind of a myth and there's people out there who do define themselves as centrists and that they kind of reject the the most you know far left and the most far right 
opinions of um, oh, you know, other, other people out there. Interject for a moment. I uh-huh. should uh, point out that I did at one time found, write for, and edit a blog called The Moderate Dispatch, uh-huh. where we were dedicated to moderate political thought. So I just throw that out there in case people are like, wait, isn't this that guy? Yes, I am that guy. <laughs> Michelle, please continue. Well, and that's kind of how you defined yourself when you and I first became friends yeah. working at Borders all those years ago was moderate or centrist. And, you know, I don't know what the fuck that meant. But anyways. Like, I don't think I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, there's a lot of people that are starting to agree with you on that. It's that it's the idea of trying to get people on the right and the left to work together. That's where I fall, but that's not really what people, how people think. That's not really, um, no. you know, so I reading through a couple of articles, like you already mentioned the box piece that I shared. That one, um, was talking about, uh, polarization very generally and basically using polling data, um, y- you know, kind of picking apart the pieces there, you know, you pull somebody trying to figure out where their political ideology lies. And, you know, the answers are, are set up to, to be either kind of right wing or left wing. And mm-hmm. You kind of average out what the answers are. And, and basically what they found was like most of the people that ended up being quote unquote centrist had some of the most radical ideas. It's, you know, yeah. like, um, you know, I believe in Medicare for all. And then the answer to the next question, they'd say, no, we need to round up and deport all immigrants. So but I think you... people who identify <laughs> as centrist or even moderate for that matter uh-huh. are people that are people who believe to be more well-informed politically. And so they might have more fleshed out kind of ideas as to what they mm-hmm. think. But also going back to the moderate dispatch, a problem we had was that really people want to, there's this weird desire to call yourself a centrist because you're like, no, I'm not radical. No, I'm reasonable. Uh And it's like, maybe not. (laughs) Like, if, yeah, if you're uh, for Medicare for all and also for tossing immigrants out, that's not really centrist. That's, that may be an individual opinion, but that's not really like the middle no, but 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 who are you supposed to vote for? Like that's the whole problem is like all of this data on what centrist Americans believe and do not believe is broad, you know, data like that. And then the political parties try and find the people in the middle. Well, the people who average out to be in the middle just have you know com- can have completely conflicting um, you know spectrum answers that you wouldn't really mm-hmm. expect and so there's this like mushy thing that like the democrats have been like clawing towards for the last 10 years qu- the quote-unquote middle the centrist americans and it's like that's not really a thing <laughs> like no. they, they really don't exist <laughs> in in the way that um that they're talked about in broad terms so i'm talking very specifically about like the concept of centrism as opposed yeah. to like individual people who identify themselves as centrists you can identify yourself however you want that's true and but this is about how you know a political party and the people who are supposed to be your representatives think of you um and you, that may not that may not align with your ideas at all even if on a piece of paper your answers do seem centrist or what you, you know what i mean like it's this broader interpretation and not really people's own specific identification mm-hmm. No, I, I totally agree. In fact, 
I think I once wrote uh, a blog piece called The Center Must Hold. And what mm -hmm. it makes me think of is probably what I was, <laughs> I didn't even put in the research to actually review what I'd written. But my <laughs> guess is my thesis or whatever was that I was really imploring the reader to go, no, we need to have rationalism and this idea that we need to work together as a fundamental basis for our politics as where now I think that's unfortunately somewhat naive and maybe way too optimistic to say that rationalism and rational thought is and should be expected mm -hmm. when it comes to forming a political opinion. Mm -hmm. I actually, uh, in my notes here, I cite Democracy for Realists by Larry Burrell's, probably pronouncing correctly, and Adam Arkin, probably, sorry, Christopher Arkin, Aiken. <laughs> I'm, yeah, there you go, words. And I won't read the entire quote, but I'll, I'll put the link up in the show notes. They're saying that there are centrists out there who are rational political thinkers. Mm -hmm. And my note in response to that was, Broadly implying that the average voter is rational is likely an incorrect statement. Right. And I yeah. I, I think that's where I, I'm not trying to throw shade at anybody, but where I was maybe 10 years ago when I wrote, and the center must hold because people are rational, we should all, like, all try to be rational, right. was not a rational thing to ask of people. <laughs> <laughs> or assume for that matter. <laughs> yeah, because politics is very personal and, and therefore it's not always going to be rational. Sometimes it's going to be uh, emotional yes. and uh, you know, life experience doesn't always add up the way that we think it's going to, as far as, you know, being rational about your, your politics and being logical about it. Mm -hmm. so. And that's, and that was something else that some of these pieces also brought out is that I, identity means so much in in politics that it does. <laughs> the idea that you're gonna think about things only in a very like kind of a static logical way is completely incorrect to what life is like so in fact it's <laughs> i think about this all the time when i talk to especially conservative white male friends of mine where and not saying that I'm not guilty of this myself, but oh, why why does everyone hate white men? It's it's <laughs> not that they're just going, hey, um, we'd like stuff too, and <laughs> we're not all white men. <laughs> yeah, and by saying we'd like stuff too, they're not going. They may say people do say and should say. You guys kind of have been the focal point for a while. Um, can we be a focal point too? And mm -hmm. the, the response to that, I guess, irrational response is to go, how dare you? You know, <laughs> how dare you ask for extra stuff? They're just asking for at least not even, if not stuffed, at least the ability to somehow maybe get the same stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Access to the yeah. same stuff. And no, um, that's, I, I always, I still find it so fascinating how people, not just men, people, men and women are so oftentimes perturbed and upset by the very 
just the word feminism, mm -hmm. whether or not they understand it. Uh, what? That's a completely different question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, huh? Uh, they well, hate men. Well, actually, no. <laughs> no, no. That's not the idea at all. And it, it, so I, I read that centrism is also defined as the acceptance of some type of balance between social. This is from Wikipedia. And, and yes, I'm using Wikipedia, guys. Um, <laughs> acceptance of a balance between social hierarchy and social equality and not and not being interested in major shifts in either of those realms. And so that to me right there is is kind of the problem that we yeah. now have with the concept of centrism because I feel like that's what our politics that's the game it's been playing since the 80s like basically within our lifetime norm. Yeah. That you know, oh, it's fine and trickle down economics. Like that's that's the acceptance of social hierarchy and social inequality, I would say. And uh, I think people have come to realize like, oh, so that's how we all got so screwed over. Yeah. And so <laughs> I feel like that's part of why we're seeing more of these shifts rejecting the concept of, of centrism, either to the left and sometimes to the right even, because, you know, staying in the middle, that's kind of a status <laughs> quo thing. And a lot of people are not happy with how things have turned out. Well, forgive me if I'm wrong, but... From that definition, that sounds like the almost uh, like National Review neocon esque mm -hmm. de definition of conservatism. Right. That sounds like conservatism, <laughs> and that's Wait, what? Exactly, <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. That's what centrism has ended up being. And um, I, that New York Mag article that I sent to you, it was written in 2017, so it's a couple years old now. Um, and it's called Democrats can abandon the center because the center doesn't exist. Yeah. So that's that's what I'm referencing here. The author there, he, he makes really good points, I think, throughout the entire piece. And it's kind of a long article. But one of the things that he points out is uh, that, you know, within our politics, whether you like it or not, a lot of this has to do with what corporations want out yes. of politics because of all the, the money that goes into it. And centrism is perfect for corporations. Oh, yes. Because they, it kind of sounds like they care about people, but really there's no radical changes that could affect their pocketbook. And they continue to amass, you know, record uh, profits while people are still scrambling at the bottom to uh, just make ends meet. Um, so centrism, I feel like, also disguises itself as is a disguise for conservatism in a lot of ways and uh is a way to disguise um how people have been you know completely screwed over by the political system over the last 30 years which makes your point about this being yep, 30 years exactly correct because after uh you know jimmy carter took a thumping from reagan mm -hmm. a lot of democrats were going hmm let's leave this ralph nader guy behind Right. And let's find a way to make ourselves appealing to corporations. Mm -hmm. And how do we do that? Oh, that's right. By going, all right, uh, well, we can help you guys out too. Mm -hmm. And makes me think of uh, probably the worst example. Well, best slash worst example of a centrist Democrat. And that would be Bill Clinton. Mm, there you go. Yeah. Because he has done like some of the things he did 
are being still felt today by people of color. He, I remember this was thought of as like a you know, shocking turn of events with, with the whole don't ask, don't tell thing. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, just, uh, yeah, just telling people who are gay to, you know, if they want to serve their country, they can never actually be open about who they love. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's centrist. What? Mm-hmm. Um, he had Dick Morris, a Republican conservative operative, as one of his main pollsters, who essentially at one point told him that if he wanted to win re-election, he needed to have his wife kind of go away. Hmm. Cool. Um, and also make nice with all these corporations. And the mm-hmm. idea was, well, if he can stay in office, he'll deliver some liberal things to the country. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. And I'm not poo-pooing the idea of, as I said, functionalism, mm-hmm. but also, as you said, Michelle. <laughs> Clinton was very unfunctional. Yeah. Like, that administration doesn't even represent that. Well, and the wins that can be counted for, you know, the people that really marginalized people who really need the Democratic Party or actually technically both parties to actually work for them mm-hmm. were minuscule compared to what corporate America got. Oh, yeah. Yep, and definitely. so if Bill Clinton is an example of how a Democratic president should operate, centrism is bad <laughs> because <laughs> that was not saying his presidency was terrible, but this is where I I was thinking about that like with well, how do I describe my own politics? I don't like I. I've got some positions that skew. I don't know what, but my my positions are my own, mm-hmm. and I think if you have politicians that come forth and they're like, "Hey, um, here are some things I want to accomplish, and here is how it'll help you out, and here is how I'm going to do it." I think people are more receptive to that than going, uh, yeah, I'm going to work with Republicans on some stuff, but I'll get you some stuff in the end. Mm-hmm. Wait, what? That's not going <laughs> to work. Um, right. Republicans are the same way in many cases where they're going, no, um, we were told that allowing corporations to have massive tax cuts and basically pay nothing and mm-hmm. rich people to pay nothing would give us more money too. Right. No, it hasn't. Oh, we were also told that corporations would be better at uh, managing environmental policy just to police themselves. Hmm. How's that going for you, Louisiana? <laughs> yeah, kind of <laughs> shitty. And so, no, it's. I think there's a way to not just go fuck rich people. But also be like, hey, we actually have better policy, and that's not centrist. That's going, hey, we should just be uh let's just be more cognizant of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I, I worry that what not even so much what Pelosi is doing, but I think almost the this is gonna sound weird because she's what, is she in her eighties now or is she close to it? Pelosi? I think she's I think she's close to it. Okay. I don't think she's hit the eight oh yet. But the old guard going, no, no, um, we can't do this because we'll lose the center. What mm-hmm. center? You're not picking when off you... actual Republicans. Yeah. If you are, you're picking off Republicans who are going, this is some fucked up shit. 
<laughs> and that proves that people are more going, um, I can spot something that's rotten as opposed to going, hmm, I'm a rational person who can spot exact policy differences. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so there was an uh, audio clip that got a lot of headlines, uh, I think from a couple months ago at this point, of like uh, some young students who approached uh, Feinstein in oh, her yeah. office. Mm-hmm. And talking about climate change and how worried they are. And, you know, these are kids, but they're obviously pretty smart kids yeah. um, to, to feel like they wanted to participate directly in the political system and go talk to a representative like, hey, the planet's going to be screwed up by the time I know I'm an adult. You need to do something about it now. And she just totally shut them down. Like, you guys are kids. You don't know anything. Like, there's a process to this. We know what we're doing. And it's like, You've been handling this process for how many decades now? And it just has, it's culminated into this giant mess that we're in. So that's kind of that centrist idea that (laughs) I think that's an example of it Mm -hmm. of, you know, oh, well, we'll work it out and we'll figure things out and it's going to be fine as opposed to being like, no, we need a radical shift right now. And uh, a lot of those old guard folks are not are not up for that when so much of their constituency is so much of the constituency is ready for big changes and they want to be part of it and they want to participate it to make things better for the vast majority of people. And the old guard is like, no, 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 we need to go the middle of the road and figure things out. And it, it sounds like such a wussy like cop out thing. Um, it does. As opposed to being like a little bit braver and taking a, a bigger stance. Oh, and one more thing, especially now, just because of how terribly railroaded the GOP is under Mitch McConnell, I think basically if you're trying to work with them, it means that you're just letting them do whatever the fuck they want. And that's part of the problem, too. And they know that. And they know that. And they're taking full advantage of it. So They're bad faith operators at the highest Mm -hmm. level. Mm -hmm. So my, uh, I know I told you about this, Michelle, but my conservative friend who's in the Navy was in town last week. Oh, yes. And, uh, we had dinner with him, my wife and I, uh, on Wednesday, and it was lovely. And then I actually went out for probably three too many beers with him okay. on Friday. Which <laughs> three too many, I like that. <laughs> I don't, must be a good thing, because I don't recall ever drinking, like, because I had five beers. I was like, oh, whoa, I didn't mean that. <laughs> <laughs> meant to have four, but that's another story. <laughs> Avoiding discussing politics, I think. At least I was. Uh, if okay. you're listening, friend, I was trying to avoid some of the stuff that can be a little bit more, you know, he was only in town for a couple of days and didn't want to get too deep into anything. Uh-huh. And I was telling him how one of my biggest problems with Obama ever was basically how he approached... Uh, the Trans-Pacific Partnership and how we try oh, okay. to sell it. Okay. And so when he went on Mark Maron's podcast, I don't think he was going on there to defend it, but it was around that same time when, when he went on there. And okay. I was like, you know, I got on Twitter and asked Mark Maron, and, you know, asking about it, how it actually helped all Americans, and, which obviously he didn't do because why the fuck would he listen to some rando on Twitter? <laughs> Sometimes people do. <laughs> Sometimes. Um, but I wouldn't listen to me either. So that's that's fair. <laughs> but Obama had this great answer that at the time pissed me off. And now I, okay. I understand it a little bit more that 
you know, in a way, the U.S. government is a gigantic steamship that you know takes a long time to turn, and so like the idea is to not turn it too fast because it'll tip over, uh, not do quick course corrections. However, in you know, so I, I think that's I think that's a correct assessment, but with things like climate change, where science is overwhelmingly for how many years now, Michelle, has been like, no, this is a thing that's happening, and this is kind of what you need to do to at least stop it from being so bad. I mean, we learned about it in elementary school. Like, our entire yeah. lifetime has centered around, oh, the planet's going to burst into flames and you're all going to die. And, <laughs> and uh, n- nobody older than our generation, like, wants to believe it or do- did anything about it. I remember as a kid back in wisconsin and mind you we moved to denver when i was seven years old and Uh i'm 36 at the time of this recording so i remember before i was seven years old seeing images on like recycling boxes and stuff like that in school that hey if we don't get this under control we're gonna be underwater that was Mm -hmm. the thing at the time so, okay. Like, this has been around for a while. And yes, admittedly, <clears throat> my mom did take us to places like co-ops. So, you know, there's that. So I went to places that were <laughs> more environmentally aware. But I remember yeah. seeing those things in school, too. And I went to a Catholic school back in Wisconsin. Oh. Mm, so Interesting. Yeah. Well, in that steamship analogy, though, like, I think we all understand that, like, to make big changes yeah. it can take some time but we're but sometimes you also gotta just like you gotta throw the engines in reverse full throttle and try to get it to turn faster than how it normally turns you know what i mean like there's it seems like that sense of urgency is lost when that's the answer for things <laughs> you know what i mean well also in the same analogy you have a large apparatus that decides which doesn't include you know, we can uh, if we want to we can discuss the ship of state at some point. Uh, let's okay. not do that tonight. <laughs> no, 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 probably not. Because uh, yes, the idea that the people that make the ship go as far as propelling uh-huh. it can take power fairly quickly, but are bad at steering it. However, in this case, the apparatus that is in charge of steering it is incredibly large. Mm-hmm. And there are a there's a constitutionally protected set of them that have a inordinate amount of influence based off of the actual amount of polit- the uh, sorry population they represent who have a who can say no um, we know that this course of action is probably wrong but we like it right and that would be Mitch McConnell and friends mm-hmm. so. Yeah, it's it's kind of the analogy falls apart when you go no when we actually have evidence that clearly states this is right and this is wrong or mm-hmm. this is you know a, this is the policy we need to go towards when as you said the centrist way is to go well listen the money says we should go at least pretty close to that iceberg and mm-hmm. maybe we'll turn a little bit to miss it because that's how this works. Like, uh, no, <laughs> that's that's not a good idea. 
It's like, we should at least try to do better than that. Like, even if that still is the end result, we should at least try to do better than that. Yeah, I think in a way, maybe narrowly missing icebergs and going, that's a success. It's like, well, why don't we maybe turn a little too hard at one point or the other? Or at least, I don't know. I, I think... I think just being relatively, not relatively, more honest mm-hmm. when talking to voters and going, no, this is what I want to do because I think it will help you, as opposed to like, let's go into private meetings and workshop this, and then let's take it to a focus group, be like, hey, um, that iceberg's not there, but you guys like, oh, I don't know like, about this. Is this our political wins? Where it's like, yeah, like. <laughs> What? So <laughs> things are going to be crappy, but hey, look at this special quarter you have. Right. Cool. That's centrism. If that's, Functionalism. If that's, not, that's also like bread and circuses at some point. Yeah. Like, don't worry. <laughs> look at this shiny thing. It's fine. It's fine. We're here. <laughs> We're in the middle. It's fine. Here's we a gotcha. quarter. <laughs> we gotcha. We <laughs> gotcha. Like, yeah. <laughs> that it doesn't. It doesn't mean anything, really. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Uh, when politicians are like, see, when something gets really shitty, we come together and strongly say we're against it. Cool. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> we all got in the same room together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to that podcast I was telling you about, uh, Left, Right, and Center, uh-huh. one of those nyc public radio stations and they have so i will say this about rich lowry of national review who's one of their main editors he is surprisingly okay when he has to think on his feet and answer somewhat like not even i don't say honestly but not contrividly that's not a word is (laughs) That's his, okay, keep going. His responses don't sound contrived. Because when he gets a, like, when he's got something he's rehearsed, he's like, oh, you're a, you're just a party hack. Cool. Hmm. But they were trying to ask him, like, hey, um, why aren't you, why wouldn't you vote for Justin Amash if he runs on the Libertarian Party ticket? Because he represents everything that you claim to believe hmm. as a conservative. And, you know, like, because uh, Rich Lowry also claims that he wants to hold Trump accountable, and he wants, mm. and he blames mostly Democrats for not doing that because of what they did under Obama. Which is, <laughs> we can talk about that later. But that's kind of a <laughs> stupid thing to discuss. Like, hey, uh, <laughs> this kid took a dump in my lawn one time. So rather than <laughs> getting mad at this guy who's doing it right now, yeah, until that kid is punished. Uh, I can't punish the guy who's. I can't tell the guy who's doing it right now to stop. Right, exactly. Cool. Uh, the guy, the guy that's taking a dump right now. Yeah. I'm not going to yell at him. I'm just going to go try and find that kid from last week. That damn made asshole. Uh, <laughs> and it's like, well, I, I just, I don't technically believe in what the libertarians say. No. Okay, cool. Um, first thing, you voted. Well, I'm pretty sure you voted for Trump, but you're using this argument to support Trump, who you say you don't support, but since he's running <laughs> under the party label that you like, yeah. 
Right. Also, it's just the most, you know, blatant thing where, well, until the liberals, back to centrism, until the <laughs> liberals fix themselves, I'm going to keep voting for Donald Trump, a guy I claim to not like because he represents uh, the party that I generally support. Right. Which. <laughs> or the party I supported 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, back to a, a previous conversation we had with the whole uh, future tense whataboutism. Oh, dear. Well, well, what happens when the Democrats elect Donald Trump? They haven't. <laughs> in fact, I would argue that Democrats haven't elected, at least in our lifetime, a their own version of George W. Bush. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like, like they tried uh, to they tried to make Obama sound more radical than he was. <laughs> like, and in doing so he... they now seem even stupider. Like, uh-huh. As uh, John Stewart pointed out, like they called him a thin-skinned narcissist, and now <laughs> check this guy out. He went on Twitter like, at one oh, fifty in the morning <laughs> to give shit to Bette Midler. Yeah, what the? F- <laughs> but it's like, oh look, last time the Democrats elected their own thin-skinned narcissist. Here, hold our beers. <laughs> hold our beers. <laughs> we're we're gonna hire. We're going to elect the greatest horrible narcissistic clown you can possibly imagine. And they also, I quite vividly remember that they're like, yeah, sure, we call Obama Hitler, but that's why you shouldn't call Trump fascist because look at how stupid we looked. No, you look stupid. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) Obama wasn't constantly trying to do, you know, fascist stuff and... Yeah, I, I shouldn't laugh about this, but when Trump flew to London, he tweeted out that basically AT and T needs to shut down CNN because CNN doesn't give him good coverage, which may or may not have been <laughs> come from the fact that when he landed and got into I don't know if it's his hotel room or what, but in London, they didn't have Fox News. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, uh, there's the famous line where Obama was doing a press briefing, which, and he gave Jake Tapper, of all pieces, some shit. I think this was a, uh, one of the White House correspondents did here and said that uh, Jake Tapper decided to leave journalism and join CNN. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, um, Obama. Obama knew Obama knew how to throw shade. Yeah. Like he really really knew how to how to handle a punchline. Just <laughs> because you guys called Obama Hitler and doesn't mean that we can't go, "Hey, um yeah, Trump you know, retweeting Mussolini mm-hmm. and doing the same stuff that fascists do in some cases. Oh, and being in love with fascists. Oh, yeah. totally the same thing. I get it. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's funny how the tables have turned, huh? And that's where I don't get this. Like, if they're, I mean, for like the never Trump conservatives out there, the actual never Trump conservatives, the one they're going, no, I'll vote Democrat down ticket until we get these idiots out of power, and mm-hmm. then we'll go. All right. If the party fixes itself, Republicans, 
then I'll vote for them again. That makes sense. But then there's the, I'll call them the soft never-never Trumpers. <laughs> the ones that are going, if the Democrats want my vote, they need to be more moderate on abortion. More moderate on gun control. Basically, if the Democrats want my vote, they need to be Trump-free Republicans. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, you guys let this take your party over, and now you're going, okay, this is what's best for the Democrats? Yeah. They need yeah, to be literally. more kind to white men. Wait, what? <laughs> they need to be anti-union. Huh? Like, I'm confused. <laughs> How, how is this set driven? Yeah, it's not. <laughs> oh, and then I I shouldn't harp on David French too much. I actually muted him on Twitter because I found him so annoying. Oh, dear. Um, if the Democrats want to be more moderate, they need to stop making fun of Tucker Carlson. It's not, not saying, like, stop making fun of Tucker Carlson. I'm saying, no, if you guys want to... Uh, appear more centrist republicans that is don't mm -hmm. defend tucker carlson right say hey this guy's an idiot i don't know he's an idiot i think he's just a charlatan but any <laughs> well he's a charlatan and a scumbag oh yeah yeah i still think he went on the bubba the love sponge radio show mm -hmm. because he just wanted to bro out i think that's that exactly was, yeah. what it was yeah. It's like, yeah i'm tired of being this I think he believes himself to be a highbrow conservative thinker. So, mm -hmm. No, I want to go on the air and call someone a slut. Yeah. Ugh. yeah. Gross. Yes. <laughs> oh, I just realized what that uh, Democracy for Realist thing was from. So I was looking through, because I sent you that uh, the uh, network propaganda is available to read for free online. Yes, yes. And that was from there. And my notes here says, uh, in surveys, while far, far more Republicans indicate that they either get their news from and or trust Fox News as a uh, information source, respondents who identify as Democrats view MSNBC or even CNN, Democrats tend to flock towards traditional journalistic sources such mm. as like newspapers and even there they like mm -hmm. they, they, their media diet is more mm -hmm. and fox news uh no fox news they trust it and fox news has some of the worst journalistic practices around right um, in network propaganda they talk about in particular the whole seth rich controversy not controversy conspiracy yeah where each successive well, the worst of their pundits, so Carlson, Ingram, and Hannity, they all went, like, overboard with unsubstantiated claims they just found, not even in places like Breitbart, but where, like, it was the worst parts of the internet. They're like, well, we want this to be true, so let's post it on our website. Right. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, centrism. usually with <laughs> centrism, God. Right. Yeah, usually with good sourcing, you kind of go down like a rabbit hole. Like it keeps going yeah. and going and going. But with, and it I don't stops. know if they talk about it. In, <laughs> yeah, in network, in network propaganda, 
but I think, you know, uh, Jane Mayer's article we talked about a few few months ago yep. did talk about that. Like, you click on a link and it would just take you to, like, nowhere. It'd take you to some, like, asshole's blog. Yeah. And that was it. Like, there's absolutely no integrity. There's absolutely no facts. There's absolutely no sourcing. It's just, here's a link. There, well, see? It looks like we did research. Well, if you Google it, because of how they're, like, the whole, unfortunately, I hate to say it, maybe I don't, um, conservative media ecosphere is it'll take you to the like if you click on the link it'll take you to the source material but mm -hmm. if you google the same thing it'll take you to fox news breitbart um places like the daily wire daily caller mm -hmm. stormfront um <laughs> and they'll all like basically repeat the same story each you, other yeah. yeah and then you click the like their source link and it takes you to the same source it go it doesn't go anywhere else it all stops there <laughs> but because of the preponderance of mm. right-wing sites that host it and mm -hmm. give it credence people are like hmm, well what they wouldn't all be lying would they it's not <laughs> lying it's just laziness that's all it is <laughs> Uh, I think it's both. Well, no, <laughs> it's both. Uh, oh, what the hell? Oh no! Oh god! The what? power shut off recently, and so oh no, she who shall not be named, while she had been on mute, was just thinking. So now she's on mute again. Okay. I mean that's a that's a whole different podcast because yeah. I I I would disagree with you with on that in a couple of ways and but anyways like i said we should yeah we should we should totally do a podcast on it though that would be good we should we should and i'm okay. not even representing what my actual opinions are too well but <laughs> anyways oh uh, no i'm sorry i am running out of gas that's all right we've we've been at at this for an hour now so we could we could probably wrap this one up if you wanted my good thing of the week is lame but I do have one. Uh, so if yours is really good, do you want to go last? Or sure, I'll go. I'll I'll hedge my bets and go second. Okay. So, <laughs> so and this is I was thinking about this today. Okay. I can't recall if you are a fan of The Sopranos or not. Which, knowing myself, I have probably asked you. <laughs> and you probably said no, which is why I don't remember it. Uh, yeah, so I'll, I'm probably not. I couldn't consider myself a fan is because I've never watched it. Okay. okay. I've seen bits, but I've never actually watched the whole series. So. so I am, I don't call myself a fanatic, but it's one of those series like The Wire. Where I'm like, I need to rewatch that again. Because yes. I'll see a scene and be like, trying to find... A podcast where the show creator, executive producer, head writer, everything, David Chase, was interviewed. Mm -hmm. Okay. But nothing was available. And I found this podcast called Pot of Bing, which huh. is a tribute to the fictional strip club that Tony officed out of called Bada Bing. Okay. And it's got super fans that... They go through each episode and do, <laughs> you'll appreciate this, Michelle, not just deep dives, 
But the mm-hmm. main host, whose name is Vic, they do Vic dives. Vic dives, okay. Into all this stuff. He also gets cast members, critics, uh, writers who actually had access to David Chase. He had a, uh, a costume designer who now works on uh, Handmaid's Tale. Okay. On there. And it's it's not certainly, I wouldn't even consider it probably like my top 10 podcasts. Okay. But because I watch Sopranos so often, even though it's been off the air <laughs> for, well, <laughs> this is where they started, uh, the, what, 25th reunion of, as to when it first started was recently. Oh, geez. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah. But it's super cool because to me, especially when they talk about the writing, and like, I noticed that, but I thought more of it as a coincidence as opposed to, no, this is well-crafted writing going, hey, um, so for example, there's an episode called Boca, which one of the characters goes down to uh, Boca Raton. Uh-huh. And you're like, oh, that's why they call it Boca, because that's where he went. Well, no, in Spanish, Boca means mouth. And hmm. in the episode, apart from this one character going down to Boca, he also gets into, I don't want to call it hot water, but one of the plot lines revolves around him, this traditional old mafia tough guy. And uh, he likes to give his girlfriend oral sex which the mafia is not a fan of apparently and so when his nemesis or opponent or we're going to call it finds out about this he gives him non-stop shit but also in this same episode his nemesis has been running his mouth to a psychiatrist Mm. and it just revolves around mouth Okay. And so listen to all stuff like that's super cool because you know how I like <laughs> uh, very deep, oftentimes we call it nebulous. Uh huh. Even uh, film critique where it's like this probably isn't even there, but that's super cool to, to notice that. <laughs> so yeah, my good thing of the week is uh, Pot of Bing, the podcast. Uh, and if you're way too into the Sopranos and you know, like in the. Uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, if you just can't find a new show, I think you'll like it. So yeah, it's my good thing. What about you, Michelle? Uh, so I'm I'm gonna say two, two good things. And the good, first good. the the first one you already mentioned a little bit was um, Trump going to London, <laughs> and just just see. I mean, if I can put in for a second. When I saw a picture of him in his tuxedo. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> a friend of mine on Twitter posted something that was like, I don't know what she even said, but she just posted the picture. It was like, what? <laughs> and somebody, I, <laughs> I, somebody already made a meme and it's brilliant. It's showing um, Obama in a similar tuxedo yeah, <laughs> with a white coat, with a white, you know, it's like the exact same suit, but he looks so good in it. So it's like, what the outfit looks like online versus yeah, like so, when you put it on at home, you know, something like that. My but then comment also, was, uh-huh. this is a unflattering political cartoon of President Taft come to life. 
Because I, I first saw that and I was like, he looks like a political cartoon of a robber baron from the 1900s. <laughs> he totally and I was like, does. wait, that looks like Taft. <laughs> he just he just needs a cigar in one hand and yeah. it's like the perfect Gilded Age cartoon. Uh, but not just that. And like somebody also made a comment like, I don't know if this is true or not, but the queen and the crown that she wore, the rubies from India were were uh, believed to have warded off evil spirits. So the fact that she wore that crown to meet Trump <laughs> for the state dinner was her throwing shade. And all the protest signs and the giant inflatable baby Trump balloon like hovering over London. It was just, it was just delightful. So I really got a kick out. Maybe call that fake news, of course. Oh my God. He did. He was like, no, they're here to support me. And then they show like... <laughs> The, the streets where they had his motorcade going yep. and the only people there are the journalists taking pictures of his motorcade going by. There was nobody there cheering him on. It was nothing but protesters. It was hilarious. So that was my first good thing of the week. Oh, but, if I can add this real quick. Yeah, uh, of course. So he brought his adult children with him mm-hmm. and talked about how he wanted to have... Even them- Tiffany. Whoa. Yes. I was surprised <laughs> to see that, too. <laughs> and talked about how he wanted to have his children meet uh, at least the princes, so William and Harry, and said, quote, I think my children will be meeting them. It would be nice. I'm trying to find the exact spot here, but uh, one of the editors at Deadspin talked about that oh my gosh i should have prepared for this better <laughs> oh there, there it is uh he described don jr as saying don jr appears to be astride a very small horse in the picture taken right outside of uh, where they had dinner and if you look carefully right behind tiffany's head you can see a sign that says no photography <laughs> So yes, it's a man who wishes to be royalty and his family who just, you know, none of them are. None of them are. But I'm sorry, please continue. Not at all. Yeah. Um, So my second good thing of the week to shift gears quite a bit here is that uh, we're recording on a Wednesday and uh, this upcoming Saturday I leave for Brazil for my next one site clinic. Brazil. Uh, Brazil. And so it's a one week clinic and we're actually going to be staying on this massive boat uh, financed and, you know, uh, coordinated by one of our partners down there. Uh, We'll be on this boat for a whole week and we're stopping at two different um, town locations along the Amazon river. So it should be quite, quite an epic experience. I'm really excited about this one. And, I think it's. I think it's going to be a pretty special clinic. So that's my other thing. That is very good. That's excellent. I look forward to uh, hearing the stories. Yes, I will have no internet connection while I'm down there too. I've never had a trip. <laughs> I've never had a trip where I will actually be cut off like that. So I'll I'll fill everybody in on it <laughs> when like, I when I return and, and get Wi-Fi again. So <laughs> what do you do now? Oh my yeah. god. Right. It's it's going to be a blessing in a lot of yes. ways because I'm yep. going to be like removed from all of it. Um, but it'll be kind of tough not be able to, you know, stay in touch with uh, some people in my life. But it's it's going to be it's going to be a super cool clinic. I'm really, really stoked about it. So. Yeah, that sounds excellent. All right. Thank you, Michelle.
Thanks, Noel. 